0: Good afternoon, America, and welcome to Carry the Loads Lessons from the Front. This is the podcast that seeks to inspire us all just to do a little bit more, maybe 1% more for our country in honor of those 1% who defend us from the bad guys. I'm your host, Todd Boating, and uh, my guest today is none none other than Randy Reeves, former Air Force and Navy veteran, also former VA Undersecretary for Memorial Affairs, and most importantly, a man that I like to call my friend, Randy. Welcome to Lessons from the Front.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you taking time to, to have me here with you.
0: You know, I there's whenever I think about you and the first time we met and some of the interactions we've had, uh, and I do feel very fortunate to call you a friend because you've always been nothing but very humble. And one of the things that that you've that you've talked about or that I've stolen from you, if you don't mind, or maybe procured. I always tell people don't we don't steal. We're Marines. We don't steal. But I did procure from you. You talked about the Jewish. um, It's an old Jewish saying that we all die two deaths. Yeah. You know, it's uh,
1: something that we brought to and and what we talked about at the National Cemetery Administration when I was there is that we all die two deaths. We die the first time when breath leaves us, but we only truly die sometime in the future when no one speaks our name or tells our story. And that's something that when I was at the National Cemetery Administration and something that they are doing every day uh, now, whether I'm there or not, is to make sure that they are speaking the names and telling the stories of our veterans, because those are America's heroes, those who have served, those who have given the last full measure. uh, They are talking about them, telling their stories, and making sure that they don't suffer that second death. And that's something that I think is so important for America to remember and to do, is to make sure that we never forget. What our men and women in uniform have done for us, and that's why I am always so happy to uh, be associated with and work with Carry the Load because of your mission of never forgetting.
0: Yeah, and and, you know, again, when when I first heard you say that, I must have given that same talk dozens of times since, because it's so it's so appropriate. I mean, we've got so many. Individuals who live their life their full lives in this country and they don't leave a mark in any way. They don't have any family to pass on memories to. Um, they just kind of exist. And then we've got the opposite end of the spectrum, where you know we, we've we've all seen the stories, we've read the stories, we've lived it for the past couple weeks. These young men and women who, I mean, all I think one was over the age of thirty. Uh, who who gave everything so that others had the opportunity to be free as they came out of Afghanistan a lot of them barely into their 20s and they didn't ever have an opportunity to leave their mark on this earth beyond that and so what you guys do at the you know at the National Cemetery administration and what we try to do at at carry the load is, is so important, and I I would imagine that had to have been one of the most rewarding times in your life. Uh,
1: I think it would rival any other time in my life as, as one of the most important and rewarding times, mainly because of the people I was able to interact with, and because of the stories that I was able to see and sometimes, you know, although, you know, in my own clumsy way, to be able to tell about many of America's heroes, whenever uh, I would travel around the country and, and do different events and and be at, at different uh, cemeteries and you know other VA facilities uh, and that sort of thing. So absolutely. And uh, as for those young men and women who just gave their lives to the uh, Marines one Navy corpsman, I believe there was actually a, a, an army troop that that was killed during the evacuation, uh, you know, from Afghanistan uh, here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, those are American heroes. And it boggles my mind, you know, it, it, you think about maybe how old we're getting or, or something, that those young people went and served and gave for something much greater than themselves. And they, many of them, weren't even born when 9-11 happened. We're about to come to that 20-year anniversary of 9-11 and they weren't even born, but they served in a war, uh, you know, in their own way and gave the last full measure, you know, to make sure, as you said, to make sure others were safe. That's, I tell you what, There are people sometimes, and and have been, you know, during my life, you know, they'll say something to the effect of, you know, we just don't raise them like we used to, or or this generation, you know, is not like another generation. Uh, I am of the mind, and I, I that, and I know it's true that every generation in this country is the next greatest generation, and we're seeing the next generation right now serving and taking care of this country.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and it's, it's, you know, I've kind of heard it said before that, um, you know, kids are pretty resilient. It's, it's the parents that screw it up. It's the adults that cause the problems. Um, and it reflects on the kids because you know, these, these kids now they're, they're every bit as tough. They're every bit as knowledgeable, Um, I mean, they have YouTube, they know what has gone on in Afghanistan and Iraq for the last 20 years. There's no denying it. And and to say that, you know, they've become desensitized to it, um, you know, because it's all over the place. I don't agree with that either. I just think that they understand this this one percent of America, not the one percent earners, but the one percent who don the uniform day in and day out to give you and me the freedoms to express our opinions the way we do. Those those kids they know and they have a choice and they choose good. And but that's got to be an impact to the next generation of veterans. I mean, what we just saw, and you know, like we've talked about, we this is not political, but it's it's real. What they dealt with and experienced, and what what we all watched on the TV and what some people are politicizing, it's going to impact the, the veteran community. It's going, it, it has, I've seen people, I've seen other veterans react to this in ways where I'm like, that's not who you are. I mean, it's, it's really gotten personal for
1: people. Well, it's, I think, you know, the word personal, I think is, is, is a good word to, to use Todd because people have given a great portion of their lives. Uh, serving in places like Afghanistan you know, for the last 20 years. And when you have gone through something like that, and for those who have lost friends there and, and in Iraq and other places, uh, I think it becomes very, very personal about what that means to each and every one of us. Uh, I don't want to see anyone forget the sacrifices of not only those young people who just gave their lives recently, but all of those who gave their lives in Afghanistan, Iraq, and and and, and all of our wars, frankly. But each of us, and I know I know you experienced this too, you know you have friends that 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 were lost there. We all do, uh, and we need to make sure that we as we were talking about earlier, we continue to tell those stories and that we don't forget the names of those heroes who continued to do things that actually made things better in Afghanistan. I'm not gonna talk about, or am I qualified, I guess, really to talk about the politics of Afghanistan. But I am qualified to talk about the fact that our presence there made life better for a lot of people in that country for a very, very long time, for the last 20 years. And for much of that 20 years, people there were able to go about life in a manner in which they had never been able to in the history of that country, as far as I know. And that's no small thing. People there are gonna want I think, what they've had while there was an American presence there. And I think that, and I am hopeful and prayerful that the people there will find a way to make things better for themselves uh, because they've had some of that just because of the young men and women and and the heroes from America who gave their lives to make sure things were better for them. And a part of that, of course, was to protect our country, you know, and to fight terrorism. But a big part of that was making the lives of people there better. I can't I cannot think of a more noble mission than that for any person.
0: Yeah, I don't think we've seen the last of an opposition inside of Afghanistan to, you know, to the current regime. Um, who I won't even, you know, say their name here. Um, but uh, you've, you've experienced over the last 20 years of doing this, you have experienced a lot of, um, well, I mean, let's just be honest. You've seen a lot of funerals and you've seen some very young men and women laid to rest. And you've seen the toll that it takes on their families. Do you ever watch it observe it and say man is this in vain why are we doing this why are we taking these these young people from life i mean did it ever just did you ever question the the good that we were trying to do as a country as you were watching this
1: if i've questioned anything it has not been questioning the good that we were doing or the commitment or the sacrifice of that person who gave their life or of that family the things when i have observed a young person being laid to rest and the thoughts that i have is my god what could that young person have get have been had they been able to have the rest of their life that's what i've always questioned because You know, when you go to war and when you are one of the lucky ones to come back, you will always question what if that person had had the opportunities to live a life, have a family and contribute back here in America like I've had the opportunity or like you've had the opportunity. I've never questioned whether or not we were doing the right thing and i've never questioned the service and sacrifice of those who gave their lives i've always questioned what if they would have been able to live a full life what could they have done i've always felt you know even though people do great and heroic things during military service i have seen so many people In so many walks of life, who have contributed so much and so much more after they left military service than they did even when they were in the service and even when they did those great things that that many of them did because of the foundation that that military service built and provided for them to go on and to contribute to their community, their state, our country. That's what I've always questioned. What could they have done?
0: That's a, that's a, that's a phenomenal answer um, that I was not expecting, you know, because it's, it, it really is easy to say, you know, yeah, it, it, it makes you question the validity of the mission. It makes you question. I mean, you know, we, we saw a Marine Corps officer very recently, you know, go viral, you know, doing that very thing. Um and I, I wish it was it was an interesting. Do you do you know what I'm talking about? The uh it, it was unfortunate, you know. At first you you watch it and you go, gosh, I understand where he's coming from. And then you're like, man, you know, good initiative, bad judgment, or you know, there's just all these these things that flood through you. And so I I, I think your answer was much better than what anybody else could have given because you've seen all sides of it. And so talk to me for a minute about the National Cemetery Administration's mission and the purpose of the National Cemetery Administration as part of the VA uh, and the Department of Memorial Affairs. How do you go about making sure families feel as positive about their laying their loved one to rest as they possibly can? You know, uh, what I want
1: to do first is I want to mention that uh, you know, it was my great honor to serve as the Undersecretary for Memorial Affairs. And, you know, I'm so happy to be able to sit on the sidelines now and watch, you know, a wonderful uh, leader in the, in the present Undersecretary uh, who, uh, who has been there since, uh, since June, uh, Matt Quinn. Who, who I will Matt see
0: on, uh, uh, on Friday morning.
1: What Wonderful. Well, I can tell you what uh, a true leader, uh, a great American. Uh, you, if you haven't met him before, you will enjoy meeting Matt. Uh, I had the opportunity to talk to him before he was actually uh, uh, going to his hearings to give him some advice on on hearings and uh, and the things to look for and, and that sort of thing. and uh, And he's doing a wonderful job leading the National Cemetery uh, Administration now and carrying on what is a legacy that has been built over many, many decades uh, in the National Cemetery Administration. And the main mission of the National Cemetery Administration is to provide a dignified burial option for our veterans and their families. That is the basic, you know, mission. However, The National Cemetery Administration and all of its folks are aware that they only have one opportunity to get it right. You only get one chance when you're interacting with a family who is going through absolutely the worst time in their life. And every person in the culture in NCA encompasses that feeling and that commitment to getting it right the first time because you only get that one chance. When I have interacted with families and when I have had the opportunity and honor to participate in services to honor their loved ones, family members, mothers, fathers, you know, children, aunts, uncles, they only ask one thing of me when they would ask for something. And that one thing is don't let them forget. And to them they're talking about is America. And the way that the National Cemetery Administration consoles and takes care of those families is they do everything they possibly can to put things in place and to assure those families. That their loved one is not going to be forgotten. That whole mission and that whole thought is why we ended up with the whole idea of no veteran ever dies, meaning, you know, dying the two deaths. That's how the National Cemetery Administration takes care of in the in the biggest way and comforts families when they're going through that worst time of their life is to do everything possible to make sure they know and it's the follow up when the families come back and when they're being interacted with throughout the whole process so that they know that their loved one's not going to be forgotten there that's what they do you know it's it's easy
0: I think, I shouldn't say easy, it's, it's probably human nature to become, to get to a point where you can become hardened to, you know, to this, you know, burying an individual. Is there any particular story though, inside, any in, in particular burial that really stood out to you above another because of the family's reaction or because of just the emotion that it invoked in you, was there, was there any scenario like that, that just got you more than normal?
1: Um, I've had a lot of different um, instances where I've been in a cemetery or been at or near a service uh, where, uh, you know, where, where emotion, you know, uh, came on me or or i wouldn't say overtook me but, but but i i was emotional i that's one of the things that that, that doing uh the job that i did uh, i think and I, and I i think it's a positive that did for me is that it made me realize that it was okay to feel things it was okay to have, to have emotion and i can remember being uh In cemetery, and there was a a wife who was sitting uh, at the gravesite. It wasn't actually a service, not not where not not a a burial service. And I found out that you know she came to that uh, cemetery pretty much you know at least once weekly, and she would sit uh, and visit at the headstone. Uh, And I always tried to give people respect and distance if, if they needed. it. And I asked, I asked one of the, and I was the undersecretary, and I asked one of the cemetery staff if, if they knew her and would it be okay, you know, if I walked out into the section, you know, and just told her how much I appreciated, uh, you know, the service uh, of, you know, of her loved one, of her husband. And they said, oh, yeah, she's here and that that would be fine. And I walked out and she saw me coming and uh, stood up and and I just sent her, you know, I I said, I want to tell you how much I appreciate the service and sacrifice of your husband. It was somebody that actually died in Iraq Uh, and tell you how much, you know, he means to our country and tell you uh, that I personally uh, am in awe of families that make that take the time to make sure that their loved one is remembered. and I was it was obvious to me that's something that she did. And she looked at me and she said, "You know I'm proud of you too. And it had not been that long since, you know, this particular uh, military member, you know, had been had passed. okay? and that struck me that a person who had given the most important thing in their life could look at me and say, I'm proud of you, too. And frankly, I started crying almost probably a lot more than I am right now. And I and I do I, I, I used to apologize for getting emotional, but I've decided it's okay. Uh, because these are these are, are important people we're talking about. And you know, if if it's okay to get emotional when we think about them. But that little gesture of that family member, of that spouse, you know taking time to also tell me that she was proud of the work we were doing meant the world to me. And it was obvious to me that it meant something to her that someone took the time to step out there and say, thank you. Wow. Wow. Um,
0: I mean, that kind of humility that she showed is is really the kind of humility that, that we talk about and and it's it's what makes the world a better place it's what makes us all better and, and yet here she is she gives she sa- she gives her husband to us for us he doesn't know us she didn't know you but she saw what you were doing in his honor and she said She's proud of you. That's, that's strong. That is strong. So speaking of humility, because again, that is one of the, 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 that is one of the words that I always apply to you uh, when I've, uh, when I've referenced you because you had to be humble in that, in that position, they couldn't put, you know, some narcissistic individual in charge of, of, you know, the livelihood of, of uh, those who are left behind where, where did you get that humility? I mean, was it something that you just always had or did you, you know, was there something that happened to you while serving in the military that, that just, that made you realize, Hey,
1: it ain't about me. Um, I actually thought I've never realized that I was very humble, but, uh, but thank you for saying that you are. Um the, uh, uh, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, I realized a fairly long time ago uh, that uh, I am uh, completely imperfect. Uh, I, make a, I make a lot of mistakes and always have. Uh, but it makes me feel better about all that. And all those mistakes that I have made and, and make, when I am able to do something to serve someone else, um, an important lesson I learned, and I learned this in the military, because uh, uh, you know when I went in the military, I was a bright-eyed kid who thought he knew everything, you know, as, as a young enlisted guy. Um, but I I did learn over the years that you are not defined by your worst day and your failures are not who you are but those failures and those bad days actually are the things that end up setting the stage for what can be some of your greatest successes Mm. now that may not sound like an answer about humility but i think it is because every time you're at, at a high you have to always remember the lows that were able to get you there and if a person if i encounter a person you know like that that, that lady who was at the gravesite or anywhere else who is at a low point in their life and I can help them. I believe that that is what allows me to be grounded because of what I see in all of the other people around me. Because you're never down all the time and you're never up all the time. And each and every human being goes through life Experiencing exactly the same things, maybe not in exactly the same way. Maybe you were a marine, I was a sailor. Maybe someone else was a businessman or, or whatever. But we all get knocked down, and well, and, we, and we, we all make
0: mistakes. I mean, exactly. we, we let you know you, you pointed it out. We're we're human beings, and and so you know you you were you were telling me the you know you're telling us all the story a few minutes ago about you know, approaching this woman in her time of grief. Now she turned the tables on you, obviously, but you you told me before about a, a similar situation where you, you didn't react the same way where, where there was, there was someone who needed you at, at a, at a point in their life and you didn't pick up on it at that time. Am, am I, am I, am I getting that right?
1: Yeah, you are, and uh, and that that one is is always one that's very difficult for me to talk about, but it's one that I have have become able, uh, more able to talk about, uh, and something that I, you know, have carried for many many years and will carry for with me for the rest of my life. Uh, in my first command, uh, uh, young young 4 command, uh, I had a command chief. His name was uh, Rick Tate, uh, and he was primarily uh, the person who was responsible for my success in command. Uh, you know, anybody that doesn't think they're senior enlisted, uh, you know, or the people that uh, carry them on their shoulders, you know, when when you're uh, in a leadership position, then they, don't, they, they need to rethink that. But Rick and I had left that command where we were at and uh, we were both in ships. I was uh, XO of a, of a cruiser and he had gone to serve in a in a frigate. And I was uh, in my ship in in the yards, uh, you know, uh, having in dry dock, having having work done. And he came down the pier and came to see me. Uh, And as all XOs are, you know, as the second in command, I was pretty busy and I didn't have time to see him that day, but uh, he was getting close to retirement. know or at least i thought i didn't have time to see him and uh, and i should have made time no matter what but i didn't didn't see him after that and uh he retired not that long after that uh with uh, 26 years in the navy Uh, and then i found out not long after that that he had committed suicide that he had uh, uh because he was retiring and his career in the Navy was over, he thought his life was over and and he ended up committing suicide. Uh, And, you know, the only thing I could ever think after that is, well, what if he had, he had needed me at that time and I could have done or said something or helped him in some way that would have made a difference. And, and, and what if he were still here? What if he would have been able to enjoy uh, that retirement that was coming instead of thinking that that was the end? Uh, And because of that, uh, I try my best to spend time with people when they ask for my time. Uh, Because you never know what small thing or gesture Uh, that you do for, you know, with or for a person may make a real difference, you know, in their life. One of the things uh, that I really look back on, and that made me look back on a whole lot of things, even when I was the Undersecretary for Memorial Affairs, uh, I would meet people, uh, you know, across the country, or I would meet family members who had lost someone or, or whatever, and I can remember being at events uh, and I would see pictures of uh, of young service members who had been killed in action or or died you know during you know Afghanistan, Iraq uh, or whatever. Uh, and i'm I'm really good at remembering faces. I hardly ever forget a face, uh, but I'm terrible with names. Uh, and I can remember a couple of instances uh, where, you know, I met family members, uh, one mother in, in particular, uh, you know, I, her son's picture was there. And I said, you know, and she was standing with an air shot and I said, you know, I don't, I didn't know that who he was, but I remember him coming to my headquarters, uh, you know, and I remember, uh, I rem, I remember him and, you know, I th- thought you know I really wish I would have actually interacted with him because I didn't know at the time I didn't know who he was he was you know a guy coming through my, my headquarters and that mother heard me and she said oh well you knew him and I said well ma'am I met him and I remember from seeing his picture and I you know and I and I remember that he was a very pleasant young man and that's all I could say but you know what that small interaction and remembering that I had seen that face meant the world to that mother. Imagine how much it would have meant to that mother if I would have taken a little bit of time. So thinking back about Chief Tate and that time makes me remember every time I didn't take a few minutes. So I try to take a few minutes When I interact with people.
0: I I I didn't realize until just now. We've had a couple of stories similar to this. And you know, here we are, a a group of, of, of people who serve others, but yet we hold ourselves accountable in a way that others don't about being there for other people. We had a story, Nate Cavender, Air Force pilot, and I would encourage people to go look for that episode. Same thing. His biggest regret is that he didn't ask a young soldier who was escorting a casket home, what is your friend's name, to personalize it. And so it's, it's an interesting approach that you're talking about, Randy. And thank you very much for sharing it. Uh, I can see that, that it still is very emotional for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's, uh, I think, again, that's just a testament to who you are. So thank you for that.
1: Well, and I appreciate that. And uh, I've learned with veterans and active duty uh, what the two most important questions are uh, over this time. If I meet a veteran, and it doesn't matter where where I meet them, I always try to ask them where they served, and as you know, that evokes the stories and the conversation, and the person more times than not will tell you, and they'll tell you about themselves. And if you meet an active duty person, you always ask them where they're from, and they'll tell you, and they'll tell you where they went to high school, and they'll tell you where they played football or whatever they did, but you got to take time to just ask a little question. Where are you because, from? Go
0: because ahead. people, they remember how you make them feel.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: And so, you know, to that degree, you're from Mississippi, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And you joined the Air Force before you went into the Navy. Now, did the, did the Navy draw you from the Air Force or did the Air Force push you to the Navy? Be careful how you answer this question, sir. You're on the air.
1: Well, you know, uh, I am proud to have served in the Air Force and also in the Navy, and um, I actually ended up going in the Air Force uh, pretty much right out of high school. But you know, uh, I, I told you that uh, you know your your failures are sometimes the things that set up your greatest successes. Uh, I was a fairly talented athlete, but I didn't do anything at all uh, to develop, you know, the skills that I had. And I could have done well in school, but, and I did okay in school, but I did what I needed to do to get by, so I wasn't ready to go to college, and I didn't have any scholarships waiting for me. So, frankly, you know, going in the military was the choice that I had because I didn't have one, I didn't have money for college. But the Air Force allowed me to go to to college uh, during the time that I was in the Air Force. And then the Navy offered me a commission, uh, you know, after I'd gone to college and I was able to go to sea. And and it was really uh, somewhat uh, inviting to me or or I felt that that would be a great path for me because it was a path to command. Uh, And... Uh, that's basically how I ended up. Actually, I, I originally went, you know, went in the Air Force with dreams of, you know, being a, you know, being a pilot and learning to fly. And I ended up learning to fly. It just wasn't in the Air Force. Uh, but, I was, uh, but I was a surface warfare officer in the Navy. I don't want anybody to think I was a naval aviator. I, I would never wear brown shoes. But...
0: <laughs> well played, sir. Well played.
1: But uh, that's really how I ended up in both the Air Force uh, and the Navy. And I am proud of both of those services and, uh, and what they both did for me. Uh, if it hadn't been for the Air Force, I would have never gotten an education. And if it had not been for the Navy, I would not have had the opportunity that I had to serve in the places that I served uh, and actually see all the places that, that I've seen around the world. So. Uh, I have no regrets in that regard.
0: So, in all, let's see, you came in out of high school uh, at the age of 18. How many years in total service did you give our great nation to include your time in the government?
1: Uh, let's see. Well, uh, 40 years. 40 uh, years. Yeah, 27 years uh, uh, on active duty. Then I, I, you know, I served in the state government in Mississippi, I was the executive director of uh, the State Veterans Affairs Board. I was Director of Veterans Affairs for many uh, for, for Mississippi uh, and then served uh, uh, as the Undersecretary for Mor- Memorial Affairs. So when I left uh, this past uh, uh, January uh, from my position as the Undersecretary, I had a little over 40 years of total serv- uh, government service.
0: Well, uh 40 years is just way more than the average American. And I know that service is in your blood. So I'm sure you're taking a little time off. At least I hope you are. Like we talked about, I know you just went through some, uh, some personal surgeries and, and health. But like I said earlier, you look great. And um, I know that you're not just going to sit on the sidelines. So what are you going to be doing? How are you going to continue to serve this great nation? Because I know you'll probably continue to do that.
1: I will. Uh, I'm actually doing some advisory work even now. Uh, Mostly uh, people calling me, not me calling a lot of people, you know, right now. Uh, But uh, soon uh, when when I get back to, uh, you know, to 100 percent and uh, going at full speed, uh, you will you will find me somewhere serving veterans again, uh, probably in the next few months, uh, you know, uh, in a little more. Uh, maybe not full-time, but, a little, but more of a full-time capacity. But and, uh, I'm serving on a couple of advisory boards and that kind of stuff. But it, it's all veteran-focused. Uh, uh, that's that's who I am. That's what my life is about. Uh, so if I can serve those who have served and their families, uh, I will forever be happy.
0: Well, you know that uh, at Carry the Load, our call to action is in our tagline, which is "Who are you carrying?" And I love the call uh, to action because it's it's way more than a statement; it's a question, which drives uh, which drives the thinking cap more than anything. So, Randy Reeves, who are you carrying?
1: I am today carrying the families of our fallen. I forever will carry Rick Tate, and I will forever. Carry Robert Heath, who was my command chief. We lost him. He was 36 years old, uh, and I will forever carry my good friend Melvin Rogers, who was uh, who, who left this earth a little little too soon. He was a retired Marine Lieutenant Colonel, who uh, because of his wounds from Vietnam uh, took his own life. But uh, I will carry those who have given you know, what is most important to them. And that's our families at every turn, whenever I can.
0: Well, my friend, Randy Reeves, always a pleasure to speak with you. Even more of a pleasure to see you. You, you look great. I'm glad to hear you are doing great. And I look forward to our next time.
1: Thank you so much, Todd. And thank you for the great work that you and Carry the Load continue to do for our veterans, for those who have given their all, and most of all, for their families that have been left behind.
0: It's our responsibility. Thanks, Randy. And for all of you out there, next episode, two weeks from now, another good friend, Cole Morrison, Army Green Beret, who has a very unique perspective on uh, on Syria. Very much looking forward to that. I'd also like to make sure that, as a reminder, go online to carrytheload.org slash day. To join us this Friday, September 10, as we clean the hallowed grounds of 65 of America's national cemeteries. Personally, I'll be in Quantico. Please come join me. I'd love to see you. It is our responsibility. It's our honor to do so. Also, carry the load. We'll be hosting the Heroes Challenge on Saturday, this Saturday, in Dallas at the Adaptive Training Foundation, partners with us at the Gym and CrossFit Dallas Central like I said, here in the DFW area, this workout developed uh, out of military experts, and it's a great way for you to push yourself while remembering those we lost 20 years ago this weekend. So, for all of us that carry the load, I'm going to ask you that same question. Who are you carrying? Because my name is Todd Boding, and I'm carrying Captain Ray Mendoza, United States Marine Corps.